When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Tuesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Really? Everybody, I am Jason Alexander here with my best friend Peter Tilden. Oh, is that? Is that the, uh, Peter Tilden? I, I was you're thinking like someone way, else. You're judging the way I said my name. <laughs> Welcome to Really No Really, the uh, podcast where Peter and I discuss things that make us say really, no, no really, really. And usually there's a bell here that I would ding, but my producer Lori Crimmy doesn't like the bell, so ding. Today we have a very interesting topic. This one scared me a little bit because this is a world that I kind of live in, right? So I was reading in a, in a paper that there was a dance company, I think maybe a ballet company in Germany, and uh, there was a new program. And the, one of the critics, I, I think a person named Wiebke Huster, I think was the name of the critic, wrote a, a, a negative, perhaps scathing review. I'm not sure. I didn't see the review. Well, it did say that the dancers feel like they were going insane or being killed by boredom. Ah, so that's yeah, not a great that's review. That's not a great yeah, review. Not a great review. Yeah. And so the choreographer or the manager of the ballet company felt that that was excessive and that it needed to be addressed. And they addressed it by when they next saw Weepke Huster, they took dog feces and smeared it in her face. In an audience, in the audience. Yes, in the audience. And we went, and really? I went really? Really? <laughs> really? Really? Ding. Well, um, Scott is talking about criticism because you've yeah. been, and we'll talk about that later. You've been criticized because you're on Broadway and you get reviews. Anybody who's performing in the public arena in any way, it doesn't have to be in entertainment. No, Anybody I did radio for putting, yeah. my entire life on radio. You get ratings and you get critiqued and right. you get called in all the time. You're constantly critiqued. So we want to get on somebody who has to give criticism often as they're living and Howie Mandel is somebody who has to criticize and, and give acts feedback. Because on he America's is the Got longest Talent. tenured judge yes. on America's Got Talent. So let's welcome Mr. Howie Mandel. Good. Can I just say that opening of this, uh, do you want me to critique Amazing. the opening yes. of this yeah, yeah. What do you think? episode? Yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, sure. I, first, uh, really? That's the opening? Really? No, really. No, yeah. really. <laughs> really. Yeah. really. I, I, you, you have me on, and it's a, uh, a show on criticism, and I love the thematic... Yes, the, the 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 booking, the thematic booking. Yes, uh, criticism, and you have a a talent judge on. But I have, I don't want to follow a story about ballet dancers who get dirty work wiped in their face. Well, I don't think that's a good. I don't think that's a good entree. And we have Howie Mandel. Here's a story of uh, Eric think, von Hutten. Uh, you think you're bigger than dog feces being smeared in a critic's face? That's the kind of ego that you have. You See should that? be top billing to a dog feces smear. What are you doing? I don't know. That is somebody. <laughs> that was, it is it's somebody. A, it's a Who sideways Jackie Mason, I think. It, is, it, it was Jackie Mason. Jackie, Jackie Mason. It was Jackie Mason. It's also a little bit uh, Max Blumenstock. What's it? Uh, Bialik. A little right. bit of the producers, which you did very well, by the way. You're very kind. Was that a criticism? It was a wonderful. You got good reviews. I did not get a good review in the uh, LA Times. So Mr. you remember, you can get, that's the thing about criticism. Yeah. Is that you can have standing ovations. You can be loved by millions. Mm -hmm. 
but you get one little negative, one little gray area, and that's all you remember. That's it. You crushed it on Broadway. I know that, and I read a lot of it, and everybody loved you in that play, in the producer. But you remember an L.A. Times... Absolutely. And, and not only that, not only do you remember, or I find, that you remember the bad ones disproportionately, I don't remember the good ones. The good ones feel like, and that may be a character thing in me. When people are complimentary to me, I tend to go, yeah, 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 thank you, thank you. You know, I can't quite you know what I think that is? take it in. I think it's the imposter syndrome. I think it's all of us. And I don't know if you feel this way too. How are you? I know you're a long time. You've had successful animated shows. You've hosted a talk show. You've launched shows. That wasn't successful. But, is there, is this, <laughs> but, but I think criticism hits us all because all of us have a bit of that imposter syndrome. So it taps into that, oh, they get what's in my head as far as how I feel about, about myself. Yeah. And it just nudges that thing. You know, I don't know if anybody. Well, when you talk about criticism, I think that is the fuel of life. I think anybody even in and out of this business is concerned and believes that there is a critical narrative going on in a room when they walk in. You comb your hair, you dress a certain way, you show up at a party, you show up at an office. In your mind, everybody's looking at you and critiquing. I, I don't think anybody steps out of their house or into an office or into a workplace without feeling that they are critiqued. That's just our narrative of life, isn't it? it well, yes, and you have to do it. You've done it for how many years on, on America's Got Talent? Like I've done 15? it for 14. 14 years. And, and it is really hard. That was the hardest thing. Two things were hard for me. And, you know, as somebody who, like you guys, uh, you know, entered this business, um, not only for whatever we entered it to do, to be a broadcaster, an actor, right. a comedian, or whatever, but we also needed to be accepted and loved and, uh, you know, uh, respected by people that we'll probably never meet. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, I, I love that with people that don't have the need to be in this business, it would be so, it would, it would lift a weight off my shoulders to wake up and not give a shit about what people thought of me. Except today, it's not about the it's influencers. Everybody, because the bar's so low, Howie, everybody there's new entry into that field of, I want people to love me. Right, but it's also very easy to read your analytics. You know, yes, you get how yes. many likes you get, sure, how many yes. views you get, For how many sure. listeners you have. So everybody is chasing that right. critique. And whether you hear the words or whether somebody shows up to wipe dog shit in your face, it feels exactly the same to not have any views, to not have any listeners, Absolutely. to not have. Absolutely. So the hardest thing for me was I entered into this business to garner laughter and love and acceptance from people I don't know. And then the first day that I showed up on America's Got Talent, at that time we used to uh, travel the show. I, right. I don't know if people remember right. at the beginning, you know, that we're like American Idol. We're coming to you from Dallas or we're coming to you from, and we used to travel around and find local talent and then bring it. You're going to Hollywood. I, re I remember the first time, I don't think I was that critical, but I didn't love a song choice that somebody, a singer was on stage and I said, you know, something like you have a great voice, but you know, I don't think you chose the right song. I, I mean, there was no range in that song. And I said something that wasn't totally positive and the entire audience, because this is their hometown boy or girl, the entire audience booed me. And I had this negative criticism uh -huh. just wave over me. And I thought, oh, my God, what the f***? Can I swear on there? No, yeah, but, but yeah. we have budget. I know Lori took away the bell. I don't know if she took away the bleep. We have, we, we have, have a bleep. Lori doesn't like sound. So far, we have a little sound. Okay, all right. But, but uh, you know, I thought, what the hell have I done? You know, like, I'm on a thing where everybody, like, they don't even like what I'm saying. It's not like I'm trying to entertain. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not yeah. trying to get a laugh. I'm just right. being honest, and I'm just being Howie. And that hurt more than ever. You know, you don't agree with my my critique, and now you're critiquing my critique, and you're right. cr critiquing my who I am and my taste and my sensibility. And that wasn't even, that audience response, I wouldn't even put that under critique. That was, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you, Howie Mandel, because you did something I don't approve of and I don't agree with, and I feel you're hurting someone else. So in the guise of protector, 
I'm going to boo you and hurt your feelings. I'm going to diminish you. And you don't think that's what a critic does to you about your about your performance? I I I've received many different kinds of critique. There are some critique that is not um I wouldn't categorize it as positive, but it is helpful. Constructive criticism. Yes. And then there's critique that goes, I I do want to hurt you. I I, I feel that you need to be harmed in some way, diminished in some way. And that's why as a judge on these shows, my empathy precedes my professionalism. Right. I am somebody who is on stage. I am somebody who is in front of an audience all the time. And I'm very cognizant I try to be as cognizant as I can be about how I would feel. You know, it's kind of like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So when I tell somebody something that isn't positive, there's this weight. And the weight is because you you just alluded to it, because of social media, America's Got Talent gets a billion clicks a season wow. on YouTube worldwide. Really? Dang. You're right. <laughs> yeah, this is, well, that <laughs> is really? the entertainment no, of criticism. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but it, it does. And I'm cognizant of the fact that people are listening to what I'm doing and taking, being entertained by the criticism. Yeah, but. So therefore, I feel obligated to be honest. And I feel obligated. It's really easy but also boring and not entertaining to just be nice for niceness sake. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That was wonderful. And, yeah. and it was horrible. But I'll never say it was horrible. I will say, I'll try to be as constructive as possible. I'll, I'll say, listen, opera is not my thing. I've never bought an opera album. I've never gone to a concert. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that some of the notes were not, uh, they weren't notes. They were pitchy. <laughs> so, so it was yeah. funny. I'm listening to when, when I was preparing for this and thinking about criticism, because I had to help a judge in the past on another show who called me and said, I need to come up with X amount a week. Can you write some? Write some write, some write some criticism. In other words, get me, you have to come up with so many ways to say something's bad after 15 years. Mm. Do, you, do you have to come up with a novel idea or are you no, processing it as it happens? I, I, I don't want to do that. So then it's, I don't want to write critiques. No, no, but you know when you're going to use, them. but you know what words you can use or what things you haven't said before, a way to say it differently. You know, that's the biggest issue that people have, but then you become, like he just said, pitchy. You're making fun of uh, the gentleman that was on uh, Idol, right? He always said it was pitchy. Listen, dog, it's pitchy. <laughs> but, 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 the, but the point is, so then I'm, I'm, I'm internalizing and I, no, I don't think about saying it in a different way. My whole goal on that show is to be a real human being and to be authentic in the moment. And even if I feel that I've repeated myself over and over, I say, wow. And I say amazing right, right, right. way too much. <laughs> and when I listen to it, I go, oh my God, I'm just repeating that. But that's okay. That's my criticism, my self-criticism, which is the biggest critic in the world. I have a, a, a tough problem with myself. I'm my worst critic. I'm, I, I, I suffer from depression and anxiety and all these things because mm. I am a critic living in a, a very uh, sensitive body. But, but the truth of the matter is I'm just, I want to be honest and I just want them to know that it comes from a, a, real a, place. a, a and a good place. A good place. I don't want to, what you just said, Jason, I don't want to hurt anybody. Right. And the last thing I want to do is hurt you. But my job here, you're a person who shows up on this show. You know that that's the game you're playing. It's like, I want to go play tennis, but I don't want anybody to hit a ball back to me. It's like, you, you got to, you're performing and you know you're going to hear from me. And, you, and I promise you, I'm going to be hopefully not mean and hopefully not hurtful but constructive as somebody who's been in the business for a long time. And also when I don't know, and I'll tell you, I don't know, like I'm not a big mime or opera fan. I did. Those are two things that I would never buy a ticket to go see. Mm-hmm. I would never you buy go to a mime show. I won't. <laughs> I run from mimes you when they're performing stomp, in the way, street. This, this made me remember. I went to stomp and I took super day to stomp, to stomp it seems and his like wife. And we're sitting in the back. We got, it's the last minute seat that somebody gave us. And he said, yeah, I want to go. And we're watching Stomp. And he waited half an hour in. He goes, these seats are so bad. If they're lyrics, if they're singing, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I said I had a five-hour flight sitting beside Marcel Marceau. No, I didn't, didn't say a word. <laughs> 
but I hate mime. And I tell people, <laughs> I tell people on the show, I, I just don't like it. I don't get it. It annoys me exactly what you just said. A mime is never, nothing good is happening to a mime that's always too windy. They're trapped. <laughs> you think there's a mime who's putting an act together saying, you know what? I'm going to do an act that's going to change the world. <laughs> No, but there is a mime that I ended up lo loving, and I changed the, it changed my mind. There's a guy by the name of Tapeface who is now performing in Las Vegas, who was one of the funniest, most innovative mimes I've ever seen. Well, you must enjoy Billy the Mime. Have you seen Billy the Mime? Who's oh, Billy look the him mime? up on look him up on YouTube. He's, Who's he's Billy brilliant. the Mime? He does the most subversive. I'm not interested in seeing any more <laughs> mime than than mime is put in front of me. He, he was the mime in the Aristocrats. He told the Aristocrats joke in, in mime. mime. Oh wow! Well, then I know I'm in that movie. <laughs> I'm in that yeah, movie. We're, yeah, in that movie. we're yeah. all in that movie. Oh wow! He did the mime. The mime Aristocrats. Now we got to see that. Now yeah. I'm going to watch that after this. <laughs> oh, so let wow. me go back one. So you you don't like mime. You don't like opera. But here's the thing for me, and I wonder how you address it. So. You, you have many singers, you have many dancers on the show. Mm -hmm. You're not a trained singer. You're not a trained dancer. Right. So, but you, you do like those things and you will critique them. What's the difference, if there is one in your mind, between what makes you able to critique a singer or a dancer? You have no background. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm, I opinion. don't know how much you know about me. I'm brilliant. Uh, and oh, I'm, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I am. I'm brilliant and I'm... No, the, the truth of the matter is this. If you are a singer and mm -hmm. you show up, you know, I'm, a, I'm somebody who has a modicum of intelligence, who has been in the business for over 40 years, who understands marketing, mm -hmm. marketing. I think I can, I can understand why what you're doing is marketable and why some people would love it. And even though I don't love it, I mean, I can hear that you're hitting notes that, and I could hear that you're original. I can hear that you're powerful. I could look at you and say that you own that stage and you have such confidence and there's a magnetism. I don't want to buy your record. Right. I don't want to stream your music, but you're, you're really good. I get, why people are going crazy for Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. I've never been to a Taylor Swift concert. I'm not knocking her, but I know that she's really good and mm -hmm. relatable and she hits an audience. I understand, you know, I never watched soap operas. Right. But I, that is, a, I, I understand that's a rabid audience and it's really good. And and as, if the more melodramatic it is, the more they entice that audience. So I think as an intelligent person who is in the entertainment industry, I have a, a right to give you my opinion. And you have a right to go, well, you don't know what the f*** dirty word. Yeah, you don't know what dirty word. Go ahead. Now you're fine. Oh, thank you, Jason. Now we got <laughs> to edit all out. I'd rather do bleeps on that. Do you know we pay for If you if you had to come out of your pocket your and pay for the bleeps. Right now. I don't need your judgment. By the way, did you know what the soap opera? Jason taught me this. At the end of every scene in soap opera, they go to commercial and the person's standing there and they focus on their face. Makes me laugh. And I go, what is it? What's the trick to that? Well, I, I didn't and tell Jason, you this. This was a director that I worked with who directed a lot of stuff. And I go, when they do those push-ins at the right. end of a scene, the scene could be mother died, the scene could be Jeffrey's missing, the scene could be we'll do it tomorrow. And But there's this 10-second push-in. Right. Oh, what do you and do? he had an actor say, what do I do? What do I do with that? What do I play? And the director said, very subtly, but very real, play who farted. It'll cover any situation. And if you do that, it's this. Any situation. It's this. It's this. You go... It, that's even, too, that's too over the I top. Mean, if you really put, I'm going to do it to this camera. Who farted? A, a mother, Jeffrey died. It's, who, it's, it's, very, it's small, very subtle who farted. Just who farted, and it will it cover works, any works situation. every time. I'm so uh, glad I brought that to this. That's better than, well, I'm, I'm going to critique it. It was wonderful. Dude, I didn't know, <laughs> you kind of take away from the critique by telling me the mechanism that it was, but that was an amazing. It's like revealing a magic trick. Thank you it? very much. That's why they say, I smell Emmy. <laughs> I smell Oscar. Yes. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. 
You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Tuesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Simon, you've got into riffs with him. Yes. They, I guess they got to be honest and real. But the other interesting thing is, I looked up reviews of America's Got Talent, and there was a review recently by a guy named John Dudley who said, America's Got Talent would benefit from more negativity. In other words, amp up the criticism. What's interesting is when Simon Cowell first hit America, right? people went crazy. He's mean. Oh, my God, he's so mean. Today, it doesn't seem mean. And I'm wondering if that's because he's, he's adjusted or... Everybody else has gotten discourse, public discourse now has gotten so mean that all, to get clickbait, you almost have to amp it up to like well, uber mean. Yeah, I think the digital age kind of uh, led us into reality. And, uh, you know, Simon was the first person, and I've talked to Simon about this. Um, we've become really good friends. Simon was a record producer. And in the record business, he's told me, I'm not in the record business. He, I can't tell you how many people would come into his office or his building and sing a song and go, and he'd go, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. It's like cats <laughs> screaming, you right, know, right, it's yeah, like, right, it's, right. it's terrible. And I'm not signing you. And that's just normally he'd get tapes all the time, just over and over again. And then he got recruited as a record producer to lend some you know, gravitas uh, and professional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a real record producer here on these shows. He didn't know. They said he's not a TV. He wasn't. So he did what he does. They ah. said, just be the record producer. We in America, because they had been doing it a little bit in, in the UK and the UK is much, I feel ahead of us in comedy, ahead of us in edginess and reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had never seen anybody be anything but nice on TV, whether it was Star Search or yeah. the Ted Mac Ted Hour. Ted Mac Amateur Hour. Yeah, show. I went yeah. and saw that live when I was a kid. My parents <laughs> took me. Whoa. Yeah, I'm old. So, so, uh, but everybody was always nice. Right. And it was always considered, even on the gong show, the worst thing, you got a gong, right, but it was, right, with, right, a, right. It was <laughs> with a laugh, yeah. you know, and it was, it was all in good nature. But he was the first one that went, oh, this, are you kidding me? And they purposely for entertainment, the producers would like he, uh, William Hung. Do you remember William? Oh, Hung? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. So William Hung got cast. Do you think he got cast and they put him in front of the, in front of the judges because the producers thought he was amazing and he would get a record deal. No, he was put there. It was easy. Well, also to be exed or gonged right, right, or whatever. Right. It was a and, of course. Right. Yeah. But, but they did that a lot. And a lot of people are, you know, listen, he is, I think he was genuine. I think William Hung enjoyed singing and enjoyed a somewhat of a career little. Mm -hmm. But the, the point is, Simon was just himself. And that caused a lot of people 
like you said, negativity and criticism online and when people are mean online and on YouTube and on Twitter and on that, that stuff blows up. And that's what blew that show up because Star Search with Arsenio Hall, you know, premiered the same time as American Idol. American Idol and Star Search had bigger, you know, Arsenio, that was his next show after the Arsenio Hall show. Arsenio was the host. I can't remember, but you can look it up. I can't remember who the panel was, but they were much bigger stars than Paula Abdul and Randy and Simon wasn't even known. Right. Right. And why did Idol blow up and go through the stratosphere? Because we went, oh my God, we've never seen anything like this before. That's that guy is saying what I'm saying on the couch at home. You know, when you're sitting with your friend or your wife at home and you hear somebody singing like William Hung, you go, you could bleep this again. What the f*** is that? (laughs) Does this guy (laughs) think this is like, what is that? And he was willing to say it like he would say it in his office. The truth is that what's good about America's got talent. They don't cast a lot of people like William Hung, but there are those people. And because we're a variety show, I believe, and so do our producers who are mostly English, we love, and that's kind of gone from our uh, world. When I was growing up, I loved Professor Irwin Corey. I loved (laughs) these weird, you know, the the Charos when she was just a guest. I loved, I'm trying to think of other weirdness that was, you know, in on the Merck Griffin show, Mrs. Miller was always right, funny, funny right. with Mrs. Yeah, Miller. Odd, odd, odd stuff. And I, I, you know, I used to argue with Howard Stern, even when I said, I love this. I love, because I think there could be a show around this. I think, um, who did, who did uh, Letterman have as, uh, um, what's his name? Remember Letterman? Uh, oh, um, Larry Bud Melman. Right. So Larry Bud Melman was an, an amazing real mm-hmm. life character that I thought you could have done a whole show around. You could have had a Vegas show, Larry Bud Melman and the Larry Bud Melman dancers, and you could have put lasers. <laughs> but I believe that you could produce something around there. I, I legitimately believe there is something wonderful and authentic about somebody who is Just maybe not odd, yeah, odd, off. but enjoy, different. Uh, different. And we need to celebrate that. And I like that. And I still like that in our show. But in on AGT, and Simon talks about this, if we don't agree, we don't have to all agree. But on a lot of those shows, so there is negativity. He gets mad at me if I like somebody that he doesn't like. Does that bother you? T- do, you ever get bump, do you ever get bumped by that where it gets actually over no, the because, line? No, because we feel that, that the, the criticism of each other is probably the, the, the part I love the most. Because I like, I'll sit and watch TV with my wife. And she'll go, you got to watch this movie. And I'll go, this is terrible. This is terrible. My wife watches, my wife is, is stuck on watching all these crime, all this crime yeah, stuff. The you true know? crime and, stuff. Yeah, the true crime. And I'll critique it. I'll go like the reenactments are always like horrible. I'll right. go, how is this not making you laugh? And she goes, just shut up and way, watch the thing. But that's how we could be on the panel. And do, right. I do that. But what about when you get pushback? I don't have the woman's name, but I know. The mom of a kid. The mom of the two kids. That bothered me. The, yeah. So tell me what happened. So there was a, there was a there was a kid that danced on the the show. Who are you waving at? Hey, my wife. wife. Your wife. Yeah. I was just talking about her. And yeah, she walked in. Oh, oh, you mention her and she shows up. It's like she says that's wow. scary, isn't it? I'm wow. thinking about what I don't like about wow. what she watches, wow. and then she shows up in the room <laughs> and she will critique me after about my appearance on Which, really way, no really. If your wife is like my wife, the hardest critiques ever are from my wife when my wife when my wife loves something i've done i know it must be good because she just doesn't give that up very easily my she's wife, she's, she's, married she's to the same woman? a fan and she believes in me and she loves me but she will always say that moment in the play what what choice did you make there and i go yeah i'm not really sure she goes yeah we see that by the way and his go, wife oh when we were God. doing a sitcom we were doing a sitcom <laughs> that i wrote and directed right. he, his wife on the floor of the sitcom, 500 audience members, the head of the studio, um, I've got a lot on my plate, came down to me and said, are you going to really let him say a line like that? Are you going to let him say a line like that? Sounds like my wife. My <laughs> wife is very protective During of the me. show. During the show. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? She was right. <laughs> yes. I think uh, when you're married long enough, it's like that's your own personal live-in critic. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and uh, my wife will, you know, because I'm always trying to write something witty and funny and uh, <laughs> rather than laughter, my wife, everything I say is kind of followed by, is that a joke? Right. <laughs> and wow. Then, and, then I, uh, and I sometimes say, no, 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 no. but it is, yeah. but I don't want to, but now I'm too yeah. embarrassed to tell her. You have to ask. Right. So the mom, what, yeah. tell, so yeah, tell yeah, what yeah, happened. You don't mind, tell that story. I critique that. these kids, dancers. Apparently, I found out later that the kid was devastated. This is the problem. This is the problem. This is the biggest problem I have with my show and critiques and just show business. I don't think kids should be in show business. I don't think it's a healthy place. I don't think kids need to be. This is why it's a topic I, I of this. I understand what you're saying. I think it's hard enough to get along in life and to be accepted, but right. especially on a show like ours where they're going to be up against, and, and I don't want to lie and say I loved it. I don't think I was particularly harsh with this child, but it's how the kid took it. And I, we've also seen um, backstage, there's a lot of stage moms and dads right. who are, put a lot of, more pressure than the show puts on the child, the, the parents put on the child. Anyway, the kid was devastated. And then the mother came on later on and let me know how devastated the child was. And because of my words, Wow! and that was devastating to me. I don't know what to say. I said, I'm sorry. You know, I had to apologize. And I was, to be honest with you, I was publicly embarrassed because she came on national television and told me that I devastated her child. With, by the way, Simon fam, fanning that flame a little bit. He thought, it, well, he as friends, <laughs> yeah. he thought it was funny to, he always thinks it's funny to see me uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And, Good you know, friend. I, I, it kind of is. You know, I get it. Listen, humor <laughs> always okay. comes out of yes, yes. discomfort. discomfort. Yes, sure. It always is. So the sense of humor of seeing me squirm and being uncomfortable, he, he liked that. He doesn't, he didn't like the fact that a child was uh, what it was about and the child was the center of it and the child was... You know, here's the other feeling I have. If your child is devastated by critique or by not doing well or by not getting a part, then I think it is the parent's obligation to say, this is not for you. You know, acceptance in life is hard enough. This is a business of rejection. You're always going to, and if they can't take that and that's devastating, then that should be taken as a lesson. But to a lot not- of times a kid will do it for the, for the attention, for the parents. I mean, every time Jason and I have done a TV show, I've done a TV show and you're casting and there's a child's role, and you're bringing in a ton of kids, and you're only picking one kid, you see on their face, the parent brings them in, or the agent brings them in, and it always bumps me every time, because as I'm watching them do it, they're nervous, they want to be pleased. Again, you said it before, we all walk out of our houses, and we want to be loved, and we want to look good and all that. Those kids, that's all amped up when you're a teenager or or preteen. Judging those kids to do an acting scene always destroys me, because I know only one kid's going to get it. And I know when they walk out and I'm not, you're, they're not going to get it, what that must be like the rest of the day for them or and their they've life. Got their own, uh, they've got their own critique going on right. in their head. Because right. if yeah. they didn't get the part, they're second guessing why, why they didn't how? get the yes, part. Yes. Their parent is critiquing them, yep. Absolutely. You know, which I don't think is healthy. No. You know, here's what you got to do. Here's what you did. I, I think that a stage parent is probably the most toxic kind of critic that somebody can have in their life. You know, yeah, it, can't it be. really is because it's coming from a parent who I believe, and you can critique me on this, but I believe that as a parent, our job is to be the most supportive, the most coddling, to remove our children from any, I mean, we could be a helicopter parent and mm-hmm. maybe do that too much, but in this world, which is tough as it is, I think we have to keep our, our children away from toxicity and yeah. and i think that this business is toxic anyway but then there's a balance too because i think about it and there- i said this to jason well think about growing up and i don't know your childhood but i'm all over my kids and i think maybe smother them too much because my dad never as much as i love my dad he never sat down and said what are you feeling today are you good are you he never asked me about emotions and feelings and how i'm doing and what it was kind of perfunctory he was busy i was busy and it wasn't that they weren't supportive it just was not feelings and emotions of today 
parents are much more aware that their kids are going through yeah, stuff. Yeah, but you have to let them go through stuff. Yeah, you I was going to say, you can't, you can't oversmother a child with affection. You can problem solve for them, mm. and that can become... You can have your child yes, you know. suck the Dalai Lama's tongue. Wow, what was that? Yeah. Did that are you oh critiquing that? Oof, uh, are you giving that, are you giving that really? criticism? Really? I'm going to put a big X on that. You talk cancel culture. <laughs> I just had to hear that one. There is no, usually when celebrities are criticized, they're worse. Like I had some examples. Shia LaBeouf was criticized, put a bag over his head. Reaction's not always the best. I saw that thing and right. I thought, the, Do the Dalai Lama, right. you seek truth and wisdom. And he asked the kid to suck his tongue. I didn't get, what, did the explanation come out, by the way? Did anybody uh, read I heard, the explanation? As I was driving in today, I heard something that the, he said. It was a joke. It was supposed to amuse. Oh it was boy. supposed to be funny. And, yeah. Oh, uh, boy, no. Where's he from originally? Tibet. Sometimes, yeah, Tibet. In Tibet. That's a joke. Suck my tongue. It's like, pull yeah. my finger. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> that's the only thing, that would be the only explanation, by the way, that I would possibly even, if everybody, if I went to Tibet now and 10 people say, hey, suck my tongue, I go, okay, all right, get it now. But you know how many people are on a on a, uh, a podcast right now in Tibet going, you know, there are Americans that have children. Pull their finger. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I don't so know is what this, it is. Does this? Talking about this, because I don't know if you've talked about this before, about criticizing and, and doing the responsibility of that. Um, well, I feel bad. Yeah, I feel bad. I don't know how I'm affected. You know, on our show, I want to tell you this. I don't know if you know this, but you said you were a judge on another show. Do you know that there is a full-time employed psychologist backstage? Do you know that? Really? There you go. I didn't no. know that. I was wondering. Yes. So the guy that is the psychologist ding, on by the AGT, way, Ding, really. Yeah. Ding. Uh, sorry, yeah. Laurie took it away from yeah. me. Oh, wow. Okay, so the guy that is backstage at AGT used to work for the LAPD. He was the guy that was waiting in the foyer on Roxbury at the end of the slow speed chase when they brought OJ in. He's the guy that had to talk to make sure that OJ stayed somewhat sane as they were putting handcuffs on him and taking him in. That same guy is the guy that is backstage at AGT saying, are you okay with what Howie said? <laughs> I, I got so many questions about that. That's wow. another episode. You come back for that. I want to interview that guy. That guy. He, he'd come in. Wow. wow. He's amazing. And do they, and, and uh, curiously, do people say no? And do they? Yes. So, and, and they are really busy. You know, listen, people, we humans are very, uh, uh, complicated and and um you don't what affects you might not affect me what affects me probably doesn't affect many other people and how you react to whatever has happened to you in the world is very unique and these are people that are put in a very crazy think about this a, a lot of these people have never been on television a lot of people come to us, and especially when you're talking about a child, a lot of people have come to us and they go, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. My mom had cancer and I started singing and singing helped me. And my mom always wanted to hear my voice. And I think this is my calling. And now they come out to Pasadena, California. They probably, a lot of them have never even been in California. So they're fish out of water. They walk out on a stage where there's 3,000 people. 30 cameras, Oof. all these lights, just, just think of the fishbowl that yeah. they're in. And then me and three other people looking at them and then telling them exactly what we think about what they did. And then, you know, you know, their interpretation of what we say is really unique. It's not what we said. It's right. how you took what we said. We're in an age right now where context doesn't really matter. Ah, uh, yes. You know, it doesn't yes. really. They don't hear. What, what word did we trigger? What word did they hear and then they didn't hear the other word? And then some people take that into a very dark place mm -hmm. and it affects them forever. And that's why when they walk off stage and you can see, and, and, and sometimes they'll say to us, a producer will come to us and say, listen, the next one, it's very, we don't really know what we're saying, but they will say, the producer says this one is, uh, delicate. she's very delicate. Yeah. 
Mm. So know that. So we know that. We try to be as responsible as we can be, but you can't be inside somebody's head. But how has this, this sensitivity and not knowing what's going to trigger and how someone's going to trigger it, as you continue to work in the comedy world, don't you find that's the same thing with your audiences? I'm incredibly uh, nervous. Um, for me, stand-up comedy was my respite. You know, yeah. I've, I've talked to Peter many times over the years, and everything I've ever been punished for, expelled for, hit for is what I got paid for. The thing is, it was the first time I didn't have any friends as a kid. Um, uh, the first time I had any real acceptance was acting like an idiot on stage, and and that and my act actually came out of. Um, authenticity you know when i i was dared to get on stage uh, i didn't pursue this business and when i was standing there if you look at the old videos of me uh, i'm very different now than i was then but it was always like it was very hyper and it was like okay okay all right all right it was me really legitimately being terrified trying to think of something to do having nothing to do my hands were in my pocket and i grabbed my i had rubber gloves because i, I you know i've always had ocd right. and i carried rubber gloves with me because i if i had to go to a, a public restroom i didn't want to touch anything and i was terrified in front of these people and i didn't know what to do and so i took the gloves out of my pocket and i pulled them over my head and i inflated them with my nose and the crowd roared right. and i went good night and i ran off and the owner of the club said come back tomorrow and I go, well, for what? And he goes to do that. I go, what did, what did I do? <laughs> and what, what started happening, you know, I garnered an audience and people really liked me. But the truth of the matter is, critically, mm-hmm. I was killed. Like the, I didn't have an act. Yeah. I was the joke for, I can't tell you for how many years. And this destroyed me inside. I'll, I'll be honest. I was, you know, Letterman's top 10 list. I was always included in that top 10 list mm. as a joke with it. They said, and we'll send you to a Howie Mandel concert. Right. And that killed me. And it was funny. And it got a laugh because within my own community of standup, I wasn't thought of as the wordsmith. You work with Jerry. Jerry is a very articulate yep. writer who uh, works every word yep. and every rhythm. And I was a guy who got on stage and just terrified um and likable you know try to hold on to their attention <laughs> right. and make people like me yeah. and uh, it's it's different and that affected me throughout my whole and still does throughout my whole career you know even when i blew up and in in a couple of hours sold out two shows at radio city music hall and i remember in between shows i've told this story so many times but in between shows looking out the window onto seventh avenue as the first show, it was, I did two shows in one night. The first show went out onto the street and the next people were, so 7,000 people are teaming onto 7th Avenue. 7,000 people are coming in for the nine o'clock show or the 9.30 show. There's cops out there with stanchions and, and the, the traffic is all. And my wife says to me, what are, you, what are you thinking? And I said, I'm in a city that has 10 million people, uh, 9,890,000. 4,000 people don't give a shit Anywhere. I'm here. Right. You know, so I'm always aware that so many well, people don't like it. me right. and think I'm an idiot and think I'm, uh, you know, I talk to this, uh, I talk to um, Carrot Top a lot. Mm-hmm. Carrot Top is an amazing guy who has had the ability to have a showroom in Vegas for the last couple of decades right. who not only writes material that holds and gets laughs every night, engineers and builds props right i don't think he gets the he does not get the respect he, he, from the d- community no respect did, but he gets does. critiqued he gets criticized yep. for doing more than what the average comic does right and for having more success than the average comics have there's thousands of us out there most of us don't make a big living you know most of us are just these road warriors yeah Look what he's doing. He doesn't deserve any critique. He deserves to be applauded for what he does. So the critiques within our community are somewhat, and I've talked to him about it, debilitating and horrible. You want respect from an audience, from fellow people in your own, as an actor, you want want other actors to go, what a performance. And that also sometimes means more to you and is more hurtful if other actors that you respect 
are critiquing what you did than some guy in the paper. Right. As a stand-up, that was a safe haven in a club. Right. And now, with the advent of cell phones and people, well, just people, and social media, people could say something that I say in a club, take it out of context, and then the world, and then they criticize what they heard. Then somebody else hears that I said something that was maybe off color, or they... They interpret it as negative. It's not even real. It's, it's not even real. And then it blows up and then you're canceled. Absolutely. You know, so it's bigger now than it ever was. Yeah. The world and social media has become the critic. So much so that average Joe Schmo is now on social media and it's not even a real picture. They give you filters and they give you things where you can create something so that you don't get criticized. Yeah. You could change your shape. So what is reality? And that's based on why you're changing your shape on, on social media so that you don't get criticized. Right. And, and it's mean criticism. You bet. My daughter, who I do my podcast with, is a mommy blogger, was a mommy blogger. She doesn't do, she doesn't put her kids online anymore because people criticized her children and were mean, mean to children. I'm, it's hard enough for me who gets paid a nice dollar to sit in front of somebody who's asked me to say something about their dancing child. Right. It's different than when somebody that nobody asked is, is talking about your kid in the background and making disparaging remarks about their looks. It's yeah, crazy. It's a, and how's your child, the kids do and, and by the way, just the sheer volume of that too. It's, it's, it's everybody now, everybody. It's dangerous. Well, it's, it's, after you leave, we usually take this to another level. The level we're going to take to is that it's about everybody has an opinion now and everybody's encouraged to give it, whether you're an expert or not. It's one of the reasons that I don't do talk radio anymore because people were giving opinions about things they knew nothing. You, you would ask them, okay, I'm open to that. Give me your opinion. Well, I remember and and I talking about, about this all what the they're time. talking about. I remember it has to be 15 years ago watching Wolf Blitzer do a news story, a news story. And at the end of it, he said, we want to know what you think. So write to us at, at something. And I go, what does it matter what I think? My opinion on, this is a news story. This is a factual event that you have shared with us. Yes, it may inspire some thinking, but why is what I think need to go into the CNN public discourse sphere? <laughs> because the new media and media is all around us. Yeah. You're not, you don't have to be, there used to be a time when we were kids where people used to, uh, um, they wear a, a fedora that said press mm -hmm. and that was right. a professional person. <laughs> right. And now everybody, social media, yeah. they're really, Blood it's a guy in his underpants yeah. sitting in his bed in Cleveland, you know, but the, um, seems a little critical by the way. Did you hear that? Yeah. A little bit wrong with that. That's how I do it. Yeah. Right. All right. Go ahead. Finish your thought. My thought is, <laughs> <laughs> my thought is that, in order to feel alive, the, the key word in social media and everything you're doing, even this podcast, is engagement. So how else do you engage an audience? How do you engage anybody? The only way to engage a stranger is ask them to critique. Criticism. I want your criticism. Hopefully it's positive, but it's not always positive. And the people that rise to the top or the criticism that rises to the top is the negative. As dark as you can get, as negative as you can get, mm -hmm. that's the louder you're going to be. And more people are going to notice that. No, you know, if somebody says they listen to this so in right. the comments of this podcast, I don't know if you read the comments of this podcast. You should say you do so that people engage. I don't, I don't follow this show, so I, I don't know. Well, <laughs> in the comments, if they go, I saw the, uh, you know, I listened to either, I listened to Really No Really last week with Howie Mandel. That was nice. And that'll just go by. Right. But if somebody goes, why the hell would you have that idiot on? Right. I can't stand listening to a second of the, that comment will go to the top and that comment will be commented on, you know? So that's criticism is our fuel. Well, you said something so interesting. So I, I, I directed a film years ago. It was my first film and we were doing test screenings. And as we would sit and watch the test screening with the audience, it was a comedy and there would be 50 big laughs. And at the end, we'd get a smattering of applause from the test audience. So I go, oh, we must be pretty good. Then the focus group would happen. And the question would be, did you guys like the lead character? Now, all of a sudden they go, well, if I stand here and say, I like the lead character, I'm a schmuck. 
So they've clearly, they want, they want, they must, if they ask that question, they must have an inkling that there's something wrong with the lead character. Let me think about that. Oh, well, now that I think of it, same thing, we we tested a TV show. Our, Our first TV show together was Bob Patterson. And in the test screenings, they have a room full of people with two buttons. I know. If you, if you like what you're seeing, hold the left one. If you don't like what you're seeing, hold the right button. So the show starts and everybody's holding the left button. And I know if I'm sitting in that room, I'm going to go, what am I, a schmuck? I'm not just going to sit here and like everything. That's not, let me hold this button for a little while. Arbitrarily, I would be pushing the other button. Well, you know, I did that. So I sold a show. I sold a show once to a network Uh and they do tests in Vegas at the, it used to be, the, the testing place was in Vegas at the, in the hotel. Mall. In the mall. In the mall. Right, uh-huh. in the mall. So I put on a baseball cap and I took 10 friends. They pay you $25. <laughs> right. And I said, oh, what do you, ta-? I found out what day they were testing my show. And it was me and 10 friends went in and every time there was a joke, we turned the dial oh, up terrific. to positive. That's fantastic. And we loved it. And what did you like? And I had everybody, the show got picked up. They go, it tested through the roof. I go, I know it tested through the roof. But everything that they sell, everything that you buy is based on criticism. Criticism is what creates this world. And that's what we live on. And that's what social media is. It makes everybody a critic. Everybody's a critic. Everybody's a judge. I say the only people ask me about my show about AGT. I I I joined it on. It's, we're going into our 18th season right now. I joined it on season four. The first three seasons, I watched every show. I'm I'm, I'm a nut for watching yeah. TV. So I watched every show, and I'm not doing anything different today than I was doing. They just gave me a pair of pants and a paycheck. That's the only difference between what is happening with me watching the show. So let me say now to the people who agreed and said, boy, why do they have Howie on? It's horrible. It's ending now. It's over. So for those people, congratulations. For the others, for the others, Howie, earmuffs for a second. Thank God. He was <laughs> awful. No. <laughs> <laughs> Howie's an amazing... Earmuffs. I, I say this. I've, I've, earmuffs. I've There's a guy who comes from the Northeast. Howie is one of the most creative. I tell you, one of the funniest jokes, and I still tell people that you do it, and I've seen you do your act a million times, is when you, <laughs> you did the thing where you said, I'm going to do improv now. And you ask people for the problem. Oh, I, I tell and the story I, all the so, time. I told Jason, because it's so brilliant to make you feel good about yourself. I've seen everybody, worked with everybody. And Howie would ask, who, who, give me a profession. Yep. Give me a prop. Yep. Give, give me a location. location give, give me this. Some, give me something. Right. And then What's there's the a relationship. Pause, and then it's, all right, all right, tell me what to say. And boom. <laughs> give me, no, give me, okay, give me something funny to do. <laughs> to do. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and the, A, the balls to take everybody that, down that path, to pay that off is, what, is who you are. That's a real good way of summing it up because you've got a lot of guts with your comedy to take people on rides. And it's brave. It's brave comedy. I love terror. I'm addicted you do, to terror. You do. I am. I love thrill rides. I like to feel that adrenaline. Yeah. I like when it's not working, and then I'm devastated that it didn't work. <laughs> yes, but but and, and any time I've worked with you, it's always been and hidden Howie. You the the thing I tell there is you were in a, was it a Vegas buffet? <laughs> That's my favorite thing that you've ever done. Uh, you were a Vegas buffet, and the guy would go and fill his plate up, and he'd put it down. And when you talk about terror, Howie would show up. And he had a bandana seat in Otawi. And Howie would immediately, as soon as the guy put the food down Clear and place. turned, he would take it and dump it into the trash. And the guy, he was cleaning up. And the guy would go, what did you do? And Howie would go, you can take as many times as you want. You can go back, take as much as you want. He didn't even start. I would, cl- I would clear tables. I would clear tables. People, I'd see them go, and they'd go to their table, then I'd go dress as a, and I'd, I'd take the plates and dump them. Because I didn't, I didn't finish. I'd go, you can go back. But I didn't even. He did it I'd, to this guy, though. Over like and over again. Times, the guy was going screaming. out of his mind, screaming. How we would have oh, a guy so come good. in a bakery, no one's there. That's and so how we would call out numbers, number 862. And the guy goes, there's nobody here. And Howie, we go, sir, sir, number 863. I mean, you watch this and you're going, this is really, you're going No, they it. would, I would have, I would be in the, in the bakery or an ice cream store and we would have numbers and I'd give, uh, he'd pull a number 72. Right. He'd be the only oh, one there. Store. And I'd go, six. <laughs> and he'd be looking at his 72. And it doesn't and go, matter that people are ready to kill him. Some guys seven, would be, yeah, right. Yeah. And I would go, 
You an hour. Oh I would call an hour. He go, but there's nobody here. I go, what number are you? He goes, 72. I go, wait your turn. <laughs> your comedy is smart, Howie. Well, your comedy's different. It's dangerous. So it pushes the envelope. So, so thank, thank you. Thank, thank you for so having good. me on. And, uh, and thank you. I should note, uh, for people that don't know, we do our show here in your facility, and you are an amazing host and a, and a fantastic and do we have facility. to pay for this one? Because it's you? Promoting oh, you? there should be a, some sort of a rebate, I do think, on this What one. do I get paid for this? For this appearance? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, Laurie? Oh, 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 okay. Can I get a bell? Oh, 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 oh. It's me on the almonds. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks, Bye -bye. brother. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Tuesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Having talked about critique and the power of critique, I have been critiquing you since we began, about you not wearing the Really No Really branded shirt. And look at the power of critique. Yeah, I wore it. I it actually, it, yeah, it, it, it yeah, came out yeah, with a yeah, positive so change. Powerful. It's a powerful. It's a positive so, change. You're a handsome and powerful man. You're you just handsome convinced powerful me that I just man. didn't want to hear it anymore. Uh, you're right, right. Yes. right. Sometimes it's you don't want to hear it. $9 in your Seinfeld the money on a shirt. Hard. That's what we've learned about critique. <laughs> you spend the $9 in the Seinfeld money on a shirt, and it's like like gold. You know what? It's $14.50 for the shirt, and that's not with the logo. He leaves the price tags on the gifts. Absolutely. Only if you want to return it. <laughs> yeah, you have the receipt? That was the big scam. Only if you want to Only return it, I left the receipt. So let's talk about criticism. How, what was amazing yeah. about, if people watch those shows, like America's Got Talent, and you don't realize the responsibility with great power uh, comes I, great actually, responsibility. It, it like was Spider always clear to me, especially seeing the guests they had on, because they're, a lot of them are not professionals. A lot of them are probably... They're not making their living from the thing they're performing on that show. And it is a spotlight, as Howie pointed out, that they're not used to. So it's a, it's a, a, a deer in the headlight. And, and, and you've got somebody who you came in that you're trying to impress, good, bad, or indifferent, giving you feedback live in front of 3,000 people that you know is going to be replayed all over the world. It is uh, the responsibility of that. Much greater than we thought. Absolutely. Yeah. And in this, and in particular, you know, I've been, I've been teaching acting students of late. And when you give feedback, it is in a way some sort of judgment. And I am, I hope, I hope, I, I have not had a student, uh, you know, tell me anything other that what I'm offering is always pulling them in a positive direction, asking them what they're trying to achieve, asking them if they but felt I they tell got you, It there, doesn't necessarily asking. matter. It's how a person hears it in their background. And you, you never bet. know how they're going to hear it. By you the bet. way, just some interesting things about criticism. J.K. Rowling was told 
that children just aren't interested in witches and wizards anymore. That was that was when sure. she turned right. A modeling agency told Marilyn Monroe, you better get secretarial work or get married. So I love it. The Beatles, of course, were rejected by every record label yeah. there, there was. The brutal one is Barbara Streisand. Her mother said she'd never be a singer and not good looking enough. At home, when you do that, when you don't have to leave home to get kicked in the, you know what, Th that's pretty tough. Well, that's, you know, I want to circle back because we were talking with Howie about, you know, what can you do if you're a parent or, you you know, you got a kid that comes to you legitimately and says, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do this thing. And I, and I get asked by parents all the time, my kid is interested in, in the arts. Uh, what do I do? What do I tell them? And I say, I try to say, look, good, bad or indifferent. Here's your answer. Whether you think they're talented or not talented, here is your answer. Honey, you are my child. I love you. And I cannot see you through a, a, an objective lens. I think everything you do is special, wow. and I take joy in it. So if you want an objective opinion, I'm not the person to come to. Wow. But I believe in you, and I believe in your dreams. Wow. And that what I say to people is, look, life is going to teach them whether what they dream is viable or not. Never let your child be the person that goes, my mom didn't believe in me. My well, you dad know what? And this is not a joke. I came from the non-believer family. Yeah. My mother, Laurie knows this. I told her this before. I said, I'm going to be on TV. You think you're good looking enough? I'm going to be on radio. You think you're smart enough? Which, it didn't destroy me. I never, it never, it's just, it's just what they were. It's just who she was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it didn't deter me. But I knew she couldn't handle, it just, she couldn't process that. And maybe that was her way of saying, don't get hurt. It's a tough feel, but, or whatever. But it was really, really it was an interesting childhood when you yeah, had a parent that wasn't you know, that supportive of there, most stuff. But there is, that is a, I, I think that is a realistic part of success because I have to tell you, and you know this You were true, supported. I was supported by my they parents. No, no question. Yeah. My parents were very supportive of me. But I've had a hugely successful career. No question about it. Many would argue <laughs> uh, unearned success. But I've had a very successful career. 99% of my career are people saying no to me. You aren't you good go. enough. We don't want you. Wow. We don't want your idea. If you cannot hear and go on and, and believe in yourself and believe in what you want to do because somebody says, you don't then do you it for me, it. then this is a really bad place to and try and make your To that point, my dad pulled me aside and said one thing that was, you know, the highs are going to be really high but the lows are going to be really low. Yeah. And he was right. And I tell my son that who's in a band. By the way, Pretty Woman, uh, Jason Richard Corliss from the Time Magazine, Pretty, Pretty Woman Review, no one has yet made a romantic comedy in which, which, say, a toxic waste dumper falls for a terrorist hijacker. The Pretty Woman comes close to finding the least admirable characters to build a feel-good movie around. Well, not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Gleiberman of the Entertainment Week was impressed either. He said, the kinds of characters who exist nowhere but in the minds of callously manipulative Hollywood screenwriters. Wow. Yeah. You know, my Broadway debut, Merrily We Roll Along, John Simon, who was a really acerbic critic for the New York Magazine, in his review went, I want to congratulate the creative team of this show for assembling the ugliest cast in Broadway oh, history. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Forget you were good, you were not good. Oh. I can't stand to look at you. Oh. That, yeah. oh. Who would put that face on a stage? What were they yeah, it was. Before we go stuff. to Google Home, I'll give you my favorite review. And sure. it's a friend of ours, Leonard Malton. His complete review for the 1948 film isn't it romantic? Yeah. Was? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the only top that I told you. There was a, the most famous Broadway show. There, there are books written about it. The biggest flop in recent history on Broadway was a, a comedy thriller called Moose Murders. And it closed on its opening night. And the 10 o'clock television review, which is the first one out, they said, here, the new show opened, and here's our critic on the aisle. And, and now this person has to give you a one-minute review. And for one minute, the guy sat there, shrugging his making, shoulders, making shaking questions. his head, trying to think of something. He was speechless. And at the end of the minute, he went, and I'm so-and-so. <laughs> that was it. His review the worst was, review I, I have no words. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> Brilliant. Guggenheim, yes. wrap us up here. What we say, what we do wrong? What do we need to know? First off, I just want to say that psychologists generally agree that criticism does not lead people to change behavior. 
But as we all know, shame does. So that might be something that people want to <laughs> take, take advantage of. But but a quick a couple of quick statistics. Apparently, people are seeking. <laughs> let me let me just savor that for a second. Really? Then my parents were by the right. way. That's what my happened parents, today. I, I shamed you <laughs> yes, into you putting did. on this shirt. Yes, you did in my childhood. Right? My parents right. they were visionaries. They knew they knew what to do. Shame your son. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But. For office managers out of there, 83% of employees really appreciate receiving feedback, whether it's positive or negative. And 72% of employees say they get praised less than once a week. So perhaps if people, uh, you know, manage these things a little bit mm. differently. And although I know that Howie was not really into this whole idea, we first came, of course, to this idea after this choreographer, whose name is Marco Goka, smeared feces onto right. a, a critic's face. Well, here's the interesting thing. Oh, well, there's two actually interesting things about that. Goka explained that he did that because he was under pressure to create a masterpiece. He also had some personal struggles, such as an ill mother and his dog that is 14 and a half years old was coming to the end of his life. The positive note is that that dog, whose name is Gustav, will live on because it was his feces that were smeared in Virker Husta's face. And so that will forever be referred to as a Gustav. A, a Gustav. Gustav. There we go. You get, you <laughs> got the, the funny thing is, a Gustav. the dog was well known. <laughs> but the other thing was, that was his last, was that his, the dog's last bomb before death? Because yeah. <laughs> that would have been really touching. Yeah, I would have just given that away. That, in that case, that was a major, you know, Well, and you know what's nicer, too, because the dog was so old. He was thinking about bringing the dog and smearing it on her face, but it's just he was too old. Too old. Was too he, old. he couldn't travel. Wow. He couldn't travel. Wow. Well, I, I love wow. that you have, a re, you're giving reasons for, yeah. for oh, yeah. Oh, it, now it I understand that. Oh, God, God, no it, problem. My mom, my yeah. mom was didn't ill. Realize, didn't realize your mother was ill. It wasn't that he didn't think it through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He had to travel oh, from the, the, travel from the my Netherlands, bed. he brought it. I mean, this right. is oh, my so thought My out. bad, Goose. I did oh not realize God. your mom was sick. Yes. Oh, God. Really? No, really. Really? No, well, really. you know, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, let us know on reallynoreally.com. Yeah, send haven't, us a Gustav. Send a bag of a Gustav. Uh, don't, don't say that, because I don't, I don't, there was a business that I worked at where we were getting... Mm, really? Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to thank our producers, Laurie Krimi, David Guggenheim. If you're watching us on uh, YouTube, please remember to like and subscribe. We drop... Uh, we drop... I hate to use the like word Gustav. drop. After, like yeah, after the... Every Tuesday, there's a new episode of Really No Really on the iHeart app, the Apple app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, thanks to Howie Mendel, who was fantastic. What a great, what a great thing. And by the and way, thank thanks, you for putting on the show. And, and thank you, everybody. At least he uh, took the, the dog stuff and bagged it. So yeah, that's nice. exactly. That's nice. Have a good... <laughs> thank you, Gogohan. And thank you, Laurie. And see you. You're a very handsome man. That's and positive Tom. reinforcement. And Tom. And Tom. You're making up for my parents. For 15 years of my parents going, no, you're not going to make it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.